Now, on to our first speakers today, Michelle Fanley and Emily Jaminette. Michelle and Emily are the co-authors of four award-winning and best-selling books, Divine Mercy for Moms, The Friendship Project, Our Friend Faustina, and most recently, Pray Fully, Simple Steps to Becoming a Woman of Prayer. Just as Jesus sent out his disciples two by two to preach the good news, Michelle and Emily have also taken Christ's commissioning to heart with the help of the Holy Spirit. He summoned the twelve and began to send them out two by two. That's Mark chapter 6 verse 7. Michelle and Emily have worked in, min- in women's ministry together for most of their adult lives and currently both serve on the board of directors of the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference. Oh, is that how they got you guys? I was really impressed. I was like, man, big names. Michelle and Emily have spoken at women's events across the country. They're regular guests on Catholic Radio, including the Sunrise Morning Show, and have been featured on EWTN and Catholic TV. They both write for various publications and contribute to CatholicMom.com. Michelle and Emily both live here in Columbus with their families. Michelle works as a school nurse at St. Andrew's School in Upper Arlington and is the mother of four. Emily is the director of the Sacred Heart Enthronement Network and is the mother of seven. Michelle and Emily, thank you. Well, good. We on? Can you hear me? All right. Well, good morning, ladies. Um, In case you don't know who is who, I'm Michelle. And I'm Emily. And we are so delighted to welcome you to this year's Columbus Catholic Women's Conference. Uh, As you know, our conference theme this year is Amazing Grace. And we know that God has amazing graces in store for each and every one of you. Um, What I like to say when we go out speaking, when you spend a day like today at a women's conference, God's going to send you home with a gift bag of graces. And I brought a little prop to show you today. Emily, you can be Vanna. Uh, You might be touched this morning by maybe something Bishop Brennan said. You might be touched by something one of the other speakers said. You might be moved and healed in the Sacrament of Reconciliation. You might visit the vendor area and find an organization that you can volunteer at or purchase a book that you'll pick up six months later. In fact, one year a woman said, you know, Michelle, the conference was awesome, but the best thing that happened to me was I sat with a woman on the bus and now we're best friends. So, so many wonderful things are in store for you today. And, you know, if a child, have you ever gotten one of these gift bags from a child and they give it to you and you take out the first thing 
And then they say, but wait, there's more. And then you take out the second thing. And they say, but wait, there's more. And you keep going. And it's like Mary Poppins' bag. Keep going and going. And that's what God wants to do for you today. He wants to send you home with this beautiful gift bag of graces. And all you have to do is open your heart today. Because I promise if you do that, that God will pour out his healing, his love, and his mercy upon you. I too am so excited to be here and to see how the Lord is going to work in each one of your life. After many years of volunteering with an amazing board, leadership team, you know, to be here and then ask to share a little bit of wisdom on prayer is such a humble opportunity. So we're very, very blessed. We're excited. But instead of just talking about prayer, we're going to go ahead and open in prayer. So let us begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, we open our hearts to you today. Pour out your amazing grace upon each and every one of us. Lord, we hand you our worries, our stress, and our anxiety and concerns that weigh so heavily upon our heart. Lord, please help us to love you above all things. Fill our heart with gratitude. Heal our wounds. Guide us, direct us, and protect us. Allow us to see your plan and purpose in our life. And may your peace wash over us. Amen. So before we begin our talk, I thought we'd introduce ourselves a little more and share why Emily and I do ministry together. So believe it or not, Emily and I have been friends for over 20 years. We met at the Franciscan University of Steubenville back in the 90s. And my first trip to Columbus was actually in 1999 at Emily's wedding. And uh, my husband at the time um, was a good friend of Emily's and her brother, Father Jonathan Wilson. Any of you St. Paul ladies out there? <laughs> and he w- was helping Jonathan and Emily get ready for the wedding, doing the programs, and he was serving at the Mass. And Emily jokingly told Matt, I'm going to find you a good Catholic wife. And wouldn't you know, that very next day at the wedding... I met Matt at the after party on Chuck and Joanne Wilson in their backyard. We were engaged one year later on Emily and John's first anniversary and married six months later. So that was an amazing gift um, of our friendship that I met my husband because of her. And Emily and I have been really honored for our whole adult lives to spend time in Catholic ministries together. Um, We've done everything from vacation Bible schools to running women's prayer groups and women's Bible studies. We're both very involved with St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. And of course, our favorite, what is most near and dear to our heart, is working and volunteering for the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference. But really, our favorite memory together was when we journeyed being pregnant together. I was pregnant with my sixth child, and Michelle was pregnant with her third, and we wound up having babies on the same day, at the same hospital with the same doctor down the hall. Michelle went three weeks early for me, and it was such a blessing, and we just kept, even the nurses and the janitor were talking about these two friends that had babies at the same time. 
But for us, it was looking back, we said that was very unique. That was more than just a coincidence. That was a God incident. And we use that to be a springboard for really, you know, discerning this idea of doing ministry together and looking at our friendships and may our friendships be an opportunity for evangelization. Because on June 8th, it was actually National Best Friend Day. And that was our indicator of the importance of talking about spiritual friendship and really proclaiming the gospel. So today, what our topic is going to be is about prayer. And we're going to talk first about amazing grace and what is grace. Grace is favor. It's the free and undeserved help that God gives us to respond to his call and become children of God. According to the Catechism, grace is participation in the life of God. It introduces us into the intimacy of the Trinity. So how do we participate in this life of God? How do we tap into this intimate relationship? How do we get these amazing graces? Now, we cannot earn grace, right? This is not something we can earn by our actions. But what can happen is we receive these graces. We accept them into our lives. And then we allow them to flow through us. So this is really an opportunity today to be open to God's graces And we're going to talk next about prayer, because that is how we get these graces. This is how we have this intimate relationship with God, because the purpose for prayer is really leading us to God. It's calling us to a deeper relationship to Him, to our God, our Creator, our personal and loving, amazing God. And God wants to spend time with us each and every day. Now, I share this little joke when I talk about prayer. There was a ship that was out to sea, and a storm was raging. And the captain thought, the ship is going to capsize. So he calls out to his crew, hey, does anybody know how to pray? And one of the crewmates steps up and says, I, captain, I know how to pray. And the captain says, well, good, you start praying. The rest of us are going to put on our life vests. We're one short. Now, while that's a great joke, the fact of the matter is most women uh, only turn to God when we need something, right? Because that's our number one reason for praying. And in fact, there was a study done by Kara that said 51% of women pray daily. And when women were asked why they pray, 80% report they turn to God only when in crisis. We all understand that it can be difficult to pray. And that difficulty can be due to our, our state in life, our distractions, our calling. And one of the things Michelle and I did is when we travel, we like to ask women, where are they struggling? What, how, what are their thoughts on prayer? Here are a few things that have been shared back with us. One woman said, I'm a cradle Catholic, but I was never taught how to pray, except for those basic prayers Another, I've had a hard time doing anything but memorize prayer. I feel silly trying to make up prayers all by myself. I'm just not sure how to get started or keep it going. Learning how to talk to God has been a very slow process for me. Sometimes I lose my focus and my mind starts to wonder. I just don't have time to pray. And another, and like many, many women, those past hurts prevent us from activating this lovely and amazing relationship with our Lord through prayer. Now, there are a lot of reasons why not to pray, but today we're going to focus on all the reasons why we should pray and why prayer opens up this amazing way to connect with our Lord and Savior. The Catechism of the Catholic Church tells us, yet the living and true God 
tirelessly calls each person to this mysterious encounter known as prayer. In prayer, God's call of love always comes first, and our first step is always response. So that means the Lord is always first initiating this desire to communicate with you. We are always the recipient. We're always responding to this call that the Lord gives us. Now, like I said, we understand there are many barriers that might prevent you from praying, but prayer is a grace. It's a gift. It is a required effort, much like if you're going to try to exercise or diet or train for a marathon. You put in the dedication. You put in that time and that effort. Same with prayer. Another quote from the catechism is, it states right here, prayer cannot be reduced to the spontaneous outpourings of the interior impulses. In order to pray, one must have the will to pray. Nor is it enough to know what the scriptures reveal about prayer. One must always learn how to pray. Now, sometimes as Catholics, we can get a really bad rap about our prayer lives. In fact, I remember I was a new graduate from nursing school, and I was working at a crisis pregnancy center with two other seasoned nurses, and we were all just chit-chatting, and they didn't know I was Catholic. So they started talking, and they said, the one woman says the other, I was at this meeting last night, and you know, the funniest thing happened. They asked Bob to pray. And you know Bob, he's Catholic. And those Catholics, they don't pray. And I was shocked, and I didn't know what to say, because in fact, we all know, of course we pray. But sometimes, as Catholics, our prayer more, may be more private. We may be more into internal or rote prayers. Um, we're not into sometimes the spontaneous. It's not as easy for us to spontaneously pray out loud in front of a group. But of course, we're always called to go deeper into our prayer life. And as I've been researching and growing in my prayer life, one priest that's really made a deep impact on my prayer life is a priest called, his name is Father Michael Jenk. And he wrote this in his book, Pray 40. He says, the thing is, many Catholics have never taken the next step in their prayer journey. Many of us go our entire lives praying like we were taught in second grade. What you learned was not wrong, but have you grown? Has your prayer life deepened and evolved each and every day, week and months in second grade? If not, you might be spiritually out of shape. So the good news is, like Emily said, God is calling you into this prayer life. He is constantly calling to you. He is knocking at the door of your heart, and you just need to open it up and start to talk to him, start this dialogue. But it can be daunting. How do we start having this intimate relationship with God? Well, I got some good advice a few years ago. I went to the Dublin Irish Fest. Anyone like to go to the Irish Fest? I know. It is a great thing here in Columbus. And there was a bishop, Bishop Cullinan from Ireland, and he was giving his homily on prayer. And he said, where do we start? Just by talking to Jesus, pour out your heart to him. Tell him everything about your day, your family, your hopes and your dreams. The more that you pray, the more you will come attuned to the voice of God in your life. The more you talk to him and then listen, the more you will hear him. In the moment of prayer, when you feel a calmness, that is Jesus. And when you are at work and you feel that peace, that is Jesus. When you go to confession and you feel that wave of mercy, that is Jesus. And when you receive the Holy Eucharist and feel that presence, that is Jesus. 
Now, we talked about also time. Well, I don't have time for that, right? Well, God wants to give you that time. And in fact, he gave me a really great lesson. Um, about seven or eight years ago, I was picking up my son from Our Lady of Bethlehem Preschool, and my daughter, Mary Kate, was uh, sleeping in the car. And so I couldn't get out of the car, and it was too early to pick him up, but too late to run another errand. So I pulled into the parking lot right next to the chapel, and I thought, I'm just going to you know, check my email and get some things done here. And I was listening to AM820. And just as I was thinking of that, Johnette Benkovich came on air and she said, you know, I was struggling with praying and finding time to pray. And then God told me, Johnette, I'll give you the time to pray. You just have to use it. And I thought, oh boy, God's talking to me too, right? Because here I am sitting next to a chapel with the Blessed Sacrament in it on the other side of the wall, and I'm checking my emails, right? I had 15 minutes of total silence. So it's really important to take those moments when you have those quiet moments, instead of flipping on your Facebook or your Instagram or checking your email, to use those times to communicate with God. Now, like Michelle said, we can turn our car into a chapel. We can do a lot of amazing things to figure out how to create time to pray. But the reality is, it is challenging because a lot of times we're doing all the talking and we're not always leaving a lot of time to listen. Have you ever had that friend that just could talk your ear off, maybe in middle school, and you would listen and listen, and your mom would be talking to you, and you'd be nodding, you know? Sometimes that's us with the Lord, right? Sometimes we're the one doing all the talking. But what we learn in the catechism is prayerfulness is a calling for us to interact with God, our creator, on a personal and intimate level. So that's where we can be able to take prayerfulness to the next level, is when we don't only just do all the talking, but we actually do a heck of a lot of listening. So as you can imagine, raising seven children, 20 to four now, there's a lot of noise in my life. There's a lot of times that I would feel like I was sinking in my vocation of motherhood or sinking with my job or sinking in my state of life. And instead of shooting up those flares of help me, Lord, help me, Lord, you know, I needed to start to establish a prayer life where I was listening because I felt like he was saying, Emily, I want to like build a relationship with you, not just constantly help you get out of those little trials and tribulations that you are in. And that was really a transformative place for me in my journey. One time, you know, as I was seeking this deeper relationship with the Lord, I was walking on the beach and I was thinking about how much God loves me. And if you, yeah, for many of us, if we've been to the beach, it's just so beautiful with the sand and the water. And as I was reflecting, I looked down and I saw this little rock that was shaped like a heart. Now, obviously it was, it was personal to me. I was like a love note. God was breaking into my busyness of whatever I was doing to remind me how much he loves me. And that's very important for each one of you. The Lord is definitely trying to break into your life. He wants to send you these love notes, these reminders, but prayer is how we can see him. Now, I couldn't ship that rock off to the Vatican for a confirmed miracle, but it meant so, so much to me. So that is something, these love notes, but the greatest love note happened recently, and that was um, my brother won an all-inclusive trip to the Holy Land, and he was not able to be a recipient of it because he was already planning to go the next month. So guess who ended up getting the all-inclusive trip with their husband on their 20th year of marriage? The mom with seven kids. 
And what was best was the fact that I had childcare. I had, I could barely get to the grocery store, nevertheless to the Holy Land. I mean, are you kidding me? Now, at that time, my siblings were not able to receive the trip, nor my, my parents. So know that I, I knew my place in the line of, of receiving great, tremendous gifts. But I felt a calling, an opportunity for renewal, just like today. Each one of you have carved out this time to be here. But besides, obviously, being in Bethlehem and Nazareth and walking the footsteps with our Lord and going to Mass without a little toddler pulling on me was, was truly amazing. But what really touched my heart was when I was able to be on the Sea of Galilee with my husband in a boat. And it, the scripture, according to Matthew, just came alive. That, and I want to read briefly. When Jesus was, um, at once, Jesus spoke to them as they were out on the sea. And Peter, as remember, Peter wanted to come out and see the Lord. And I think that that's so amazing because it was dark at night. And Jesus said, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him, reply, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw how strong the winds were, he became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him, and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? I'm sure there's others out there like myself, that is me. I can look at those big waves, I can look at the dark clouds, and begin to get afraid. And instead, our Lord is calling us to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. And what better opportunity than now, as we approach Lent, less than two weeks away. And that scripture is one in which we are all called to remember that Jesus also doesn't want us to not be afraid, but he wants to calm those storms in your life. He wants to give you guidance. He doesn't want us just shooting out those flares of help me, Lord. He wants to guide us and provide us that intimate and deep and personal friendship. Now, when Emily and I were approached by our editor um, a few years ago to write our next book, we were toying around with this idea of writing about prayer and miracles. And I said to God, you know, if you want me really to do this, I'm busy. I said, I want to see a miracle. And I mean a real miracle, not a little heart in the sand. And you know what? God really wanted us to write this and write this talk and this book, Pray Fully, because God gave us the miracle of a lifetime. And believe it or not, it came right through the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference. Uh, in 2017, one of our team members, Angel Fox, was diagnosed with stage three esophageal cancer. And if you know anything about esophageal cancer, it is not a good one to have. In fact, Angel was given about a year to live. That was the prognosis. And if she had a, the complicated surgery to remove the tumors, she had about 5% chance of living two years. Now, when Angel told our team this news, it was, of course, devastating to all of us, but we all rallied around her and prayed. We joined her family and all our friends from around the United States in praying for Angel. And she was such a deep woman of prayer. She was such an inspiration to us how she took this message of that she had a death sentence and turned to the Lord in prayer and had such a deep faith. And in fact, Angel told me, she said, you know, I had this really beautiful encounter shortly after I got my diagnosis. She said... I went to Eucharistic Adoration, and I'm going through, you know, you go through your little list, your petition list, and she said, and I heard the Lord say to me, Angel, you're going to be okay. 
And Angel's an attorney, so she said, I put God in deposition mode. I said, well, I know what my okay is, but what's your okay? (laughs) And she said, I heard it again. And she said, and at that point, I knew whether I lived or I died, I was going to be okay because I had full acceptance of God's will. Now, Angel, she went ahead and started chemotherapy. She had the very complicated surgery, and miraculously, she was out of surgery in a very short amount of time, two and a half hours instead of the five hours, and the doctor said her flesh inside, it was, it was pink and healthy, and it didn't look like it had been damaged by radiation and chemo. And her surgery was successful, but then Angel got more bad news. The cancer had traveled to her lungs. She was stage four and given months to live. She was given chemo as just palliative, so meaning to give her a little bit of comfort as she died. And she said, but I knew that God was with me in those deepest, darkest moments. And without him, I would be in despair. Now that's when the miracle occurred. Believe it or not, at her next doctor's visit... Angel's tumors had shrunk. They continued to shrink until they were completely gone. And Angel is here with us today at the Women's Conference. Where are you, Angel? Here she is. (laughs) Completely healed. Praise you, Jesus. Now, if you want to hear more of Angel's stories, you can invite her to your parish because she'll tell you there is so much more to this awesome story. So invite Angel to come speak at your parish so you can hear the full story. But I did want to share a few words from her because I asked her, how did your prayer life change when you get a death sentence like that? And she said, Michelle, there is mechanical praying and then there's praying. When you speak to God and you actually hear him, hearing God's voice is imperative to growing in your prayer life. Now, Angel, as I said, goes to Eucharistic Adoration every Thursday at 4 a.m. She said, it is in this place and time that I could hear God's voice the clearest. She said, I'd be in despair without prayer. My greatest prayer now is people understand the importance of their relationship with God. And I don't want them to have cancer to get this lesson. So I could try to connect with them and pray with them and teach them how to pray. I have been given great graces, and I want them to have them too. So prayer is so powerful as we see from this miracle. And sometimes we do get miracles. But honestly, the greatest miracle of prayer is our friendship with Jesus Christ. Now, I have a little meditation I want to read to you. is by a priest named Father John Bartonek. And he writes this, and imagine Jesus saying this to you. He says, prayer is much simpler than you think. I am always with you, always at your side and in your heart. I'm always paying attention to you, thinking of you. I'm always interested in what you are going through and what is on your mind and your heart. Remember this. Believe it. And prayer will become as natural as breathing. You never have to be alone. I am the one who knows you wholly and loves you no matter what. Live in the awareness of my presence. Let me be your life's companion. In our new book, Prayfully, we also talk about the importance of passing on a legacy of prayer. 
And that legacy might have been given to you as you were raised in a Catholic home. But for others, this is a new concept. This is a new understanding that others are looking at you and you can impact not only your children, but your children's children, your neighbors, and those who live around you. One of the things Michelle and I share in common is we both were raised in Catholic families where the faith was alive. And that's something that it's beautiful to be able to see others living out their practical, living out their faith day in and day out. There are three aspects of my parents' prayer life that deeply impacted me. First, their commitment to prayer. Prayer was a priority. I could not miss Sunday Mass, no matter how I tried. And if I did miss as a teenager, I was laying in my bed with a washcloth on my head so that they knew I was really sick. But that was an important. They, they were committed to praying and also teaching us the importance of the Mass. The other aspect is the importance of holy devotions. We had so many devotions going that sometimes Father Wilson says it looks a little bit more like a church in my parents' house. But the point was, they were holy reminders, these opportunities to grow closer to the Lord. But none of these things matter if they're not done and wrapped up with love. Love is how we pass on the faith. Love is what we give to others. It's our free gift. It's the fruit of our prayer. And I can honestly say that was the most transformative thing for me as a child taking this in. Now, I want to share... Two examples that my parents did. My mother, first and foremost, who's here today. I still remember in college, when um, right around the time Michelle and I met, my mom hung this big picture above my bed. And I was off at college, came back, and it was a sheep. It was a very nice sheep. And it said, instead of counting sheep, talk to the shepherd. Now, isn't that so true? Many times we wake up in the middle of the night, we might flip on our phone, we might turn to social media or have that temptation. But the reality is our Lord wants to speak to us 24 hours a day. He wants us to share our heart, not just at mass, not just when we need something, but even in the quiet of the night. The second thing that was very significant growing up, like I mentioned, was the importance of devotions. I still remember in 1990 when my parents invite was through the inspiration and invitation of a priest that they'd announced that, you know, we were going to be doing the family rosary, which we typically did on Sunday night. And then following, we were going to do this idea of enthronement. Now, I had never heard of enthronement. I went to public school. I was like, I think that's for kings. I, mean, I have no idea what they're talking about. But the reality is that opportunity was to welcome Jesus as King, Savior, and friend. And they humbly admitted that they were not perfect parents. They had no idea how to raise four kids and that they knew we needed more Jesus. Now, that opportunity of enthronement, which took place in 1990, made a huge impact on our family. We began to trust our Lord a little more. We began to see that it wasn't about exactly how we said our Hail Mary when we were doing evening prayer, but it was about our heart. Now, since then, um, that's one reason why I got involved in the Sacred Heart Enthronement Network. It's the idea of bringing Jesus to the messiness of life. He doesn't want to just knock outside of our door, but he wants to come in through these inspirations and messages from St. Margaret Mary in the 1600s. So we do have a table over there, the enthronement table. You can pick up a packet, take it home with you, do the enthronement as an individual or as a family, and experience tremendous graces. Now, before I get to share with you an awesome, amazing story of Angel, and Emily shared about her family legacy of prayer, 
But sometimes your prayer experience might not be like that. And you might be one of those people who said, well, God never answers my prayers, right? Sometimes we don't get that answer that we've prayed for. Many times that is what happens. And I wanted to share with you a story that happened in my family's life. It was really difficult for our family, but we've seen the great and beautiful fruits of prayer. So a few years ago, I got a text message from my Aunt Rose, and she said, please pray for Uncle Mike. He's had a mild stroke. Now, my Uncle Mike was only 57 years old. He was in great health. He was an avid outdoorsman. He had no risk factors associated with having a stroke. So I thought that was, it was very surprising to everyone, but I gathered our, my family together, my husband and the kids, and we sat down and we prayed for my Uncle Mike. And at first, things started to look up. He went to physical rehab, rehabilitation and occupational, re, occupational therapy, and he started to recover. And my aunt was scheduled to go on a pilgrimage to Medjugorje, and he even encouraged her to go. So she said, well, I'm going to go with the full intent of praying for your recovery, 100% recovery. So Mike was still in, uh, the ther- into therapy, and Rose went off to Medjugorje, and everything was progressing great. My uncle was playing basketball down the hallway, dribbling the ball. But on the last day of my aunt's trip, he had a seizure. And things went downhill very quickly. And he was then diagnosed with a rare fatal brain disorder, Crutchfield-Jacob disease, which is a prion disease of the brain that basically eats your brain away. It's a terrible, terrible disease that there's no cure for. So our family's only hope was prayer. And we did that. We, My aunt put my uncle on every prayer chain she knew of. She called every religious order she asked, she knew, to put him on the prayer chain. We had friends and family praying the the miracle prayer written by Father Rookie. My aunt said, I had holy oil, holy water, images of saints, statues, everything lined up around the hospital bed. And we prayed the chaplet of divine mercy and the rosary every day. But despite all these prayers, the condition grew worse and my uncle passed away. Now, this was, of course, devastating, right? We didn't get the answer to the prayers that we had hoped to. But my aunt said, my, my prayers were not answered the way I wanted to, but my other prayers were answered. She said, because in fact, two years before this happened, I started praying that Mike would go back to confession. He converted to Catholicism when they got married 30 years ago and had not gone to confession since. So she said she had been praying and praying. She said, and I told God, please don't make it be on his deathbed. But God had other plans. And the beautiful thing is that before, shortly before he died, Mike willingly received the anointing of the sick. And in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it said they receive special graces from this anointing, including the forgiveness of sins if the sick person is not able to obtain it through the sacrament of penance and the preparation for passing over to eternal life. My aunt also shared that God did not abandon her. He was with her so closely in those terrible moments. And she said she got a beautiful sign from God in nature. She said she had told Mike before he died to, to give her a sign from God when he was, she was, he was with her, God in heaven. And my uncle was an outdoor photographer. So she said one of his favorite pictures he ever took was this beautiful blue butterfly that had landed on his daughter, Christina. And she said, it was always an image that I remembered how much he loved this picture. She said, so after Mike had died, we had been planning to go to this wedding. 
And she said, so I attended the wedding by myself, and I arrived early. And as I sat down, I thought, I will pray the rosary. She said, and as soon as I offered the sign of the cross, this beautiful blue butterfly landed on me and stayed with me the entire time while I prayed the rosary. And as soon as I completed it, it flew away. She said, I knew that was a sign from God that he was with me and that God was with me at that time of my deep sorrow. Now, she also received great consolation, she said, from the community, from her family, from her parish. So many people provided her physical needs because my hus- my, her husband was the breadwinner. So she had meals, she had car repairs, she had someone install a security camera. Every single thing that she needed was provided through her community. She said, my church and my neighbors and my family were the hands and feet of Christ, Christ to me. But I asked my Aunt Rose, well, what were some practical tips you would say to women if they were going through something like that? And she said, the most important thing, Michelle, she said, develop a prayer life before the crisis hits. Because when you are in a crisis, it's really hard to pray. She said, even though I had a deep prayer life before I lost Mike, after his death, I struggled. I went to Mass every week, but I couldn't go in or sit quiet with the Lord for many months. I was too grief-stricken. I couldn't sit in quiet. I needed distraction. She said, after many months of healing, though, I was able to get back into my prayer prayer routine, going to Mass on my day off, spending time with Jesus in adoration, and praying the rosary. I didn't feel anything at first. It was mechanical. I just kept plugging along. I knew the shock and numbness would eventually go away. I did what I could, even if it was that mechanical prayer, and I persevered, and I knew that was the only way I could get through all of this. Now, the fact is, you know, sometimes when we go through these difficult periods, I want to tell you that it's okay to be real with God and let him really know what's going on in your heart. And in fact, this summer, I had an experience where I got some terrible, terrible, tragic news. And I was standing at my kitchen counter, and I said, Lord, you know, it's sometimes really hard to believe that you really even care to allow something like this to happen. And no sooner had I said that, than I got this text message. One slide back. This text came through from a priest friend of mine. My friend Father Dennis sent me this image. He said, I just said Mass, and I wanted you to have this picture. I thought it might console you. And as soon as I saw this, I was immediately drawn to the crucifix. And I heard Jesus say to my heart, Michelle, I do care. I care so much. I died on the cross for you. I love you. So I want you to take this image and look at this crucifix or this crucifix here and burn it into your mind. And that next time you're in that terrible situation and you wonder where God is, allow him to say to you, I love you. I died for you. My grace is sufficient for you. Now, prayer is our anchor, like Michelle was saying, but it also makes us more sensitive to the people around us. It softens our heart. It softens our heart to be able to receive others and show them the compassion and mercy. And that is how we will change the culture. That is how we will evangelize others. And that's really one of the reasons why we wrote Prayfully in all the books is so that we can help women to inspire others in their life. Well, so the question is, where do we go from here? And what we recommend is in the back of your program, we actually have some really helpful prayer tips. And these are great prayer suggestions for busy people, for people that feel like maybe they want to take the next step. 
The first recommendation, that most of these recommendations are actually given to you from St. Gianna Bretamola. Now, St. Gianna was a full-time physician, she, so she was a working mom and a wife, and she ended up giving up her life for the life of her unborn child. And that is something that um, truly her, her tips, along with the other ones in the back of the manual and in our book, really will help you with the practical of how to take that next step. Our first suggestion is that prayer matters and that your morning matters, how you do your day. You know, what are you going to hit that snooze button seven times or are you going to create a quiet time to have that personal interaction with our Lord and Savior? I'm attend Mass, receive Holy Communion, and go to Eucharistic Adoration. We shared a little bit about this before, but take extra time, especially with Lent coming up. Carve out some time on your calendar to do these extra things. Going to extra Mass a week, going to Eucharistic Adoration, signing yourself up, committing yourself to that hour. The other thing is meditate for at least 10 minutes a day. Now, we're not talking about the type of meditation where you're emptying yourself out. We're talking about asking the Lord to come into your quietness, into your space. And a great place to start is by receiving the daily scriptures, reading a Magnifica. I know St. Gabriel had some at their table. You can download the scriptures that they can come right through your phone for the USCCB. But spend some time with the Lord and then go deeper and ask him to have the scriptures come alive, be 3D. Um, do some evening prayer. This is a great time to reflect on your day, your shortcomings, your blessings. There's a great app that I listed in the program that I really love to use, the Examine Prayer app. Um, St. Ignatius says this is the most important thing you can do each day is this evening meditation. The seventh point is this idea of enthronement, welcoming Jesus as King, Savior, and friend into your own space, into your home. So prayer doesn't just happen at church, but you see him in your daily life. You can visit welcomeisheart.com or go on over to the table and pick up everything you need when you leave the conference. And the last thing we want to encourage you to do is to join a faith-sharing group or start one right in your own kitchen. One thing that Emily and I have found in our faith journey is having those women of support in your life to help you grow is so important in actually happening. St. Teresa of Avila actually writes about when you're learning about how to pray, I would counsel those who practice prayer to seek friendship and association with other persons that have the same interests. So that's why when we write all of our books, we make them to be used in groups study. We provide you with free study guide questions in a free video because we know women love free. So we encourage you to, to do or pick any study or study the scripture. Get together around your kitchen table or, your, or at your parish to get together with your sisters in Christ and grow in prayer. Well, we are so blessed that we were able to be here, and we can't end a talk on prayer if we don't actually pray. So we're going to bow our heads, but when we do, before we do, I want you to think of, reach out, maybe hold the person's hand to your left, to your right, extend your hand, extend your hand up, because we're going to pray for the women on your left and on your right. So let us begin. Dear Lord, thank you for this amazing experience of being here today. Please bless all of the women's families, our friends, and our community, and even our country. Let us believe that you are here, inviting us to a deeper personal relationship. May we see those love notes that you send us each and every day. Please give us the graces we need in our lives to grow and deepen our faith. 
Lord, we ask for a special blessing here on the lady on my left and on the woman on my right. Help them to know that they are loved. Console them, bless them, and comfort them. And may we all be together in heaven for all of eternity as we close in prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Thank you.